0: I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of John this morning, book of John, and we're going to be in chapter 14, and we are going to read verse 27, all right? In fact, uh, we can all read this together, if you you have your Bibles open. John 14, verse 27, let's read together. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid concerning the promise of peace that's the title of today's message the promise of peace as we look at this one verse uh, we'll look at a few verses around it but this is kind of the main focus today just kind of line by line kind of uh, picking this apart and i pray this will be uh, a refreshment to our souls today as we look into god's word and look at his promise of peace it was albert einstein who once said peace cannot be kept by force it can only be achieved by understanding. I love that quote. Peace cannot be kept by force. It can only be achieved by understanding. We, we understand this, that many people have tried to attain peace in various ways, whether it be through peace treaties, negotiations, agreements, mediation, etc. There's been a lot of different ways. And what's going on in, in with Ukraine and Russia right now, there's been uh, several attempts to try to intervene uh, try to sanction, try to create some type of a, of a balance in, in that conflict. Uh, it was actually yesterday, I don't know if uh, you've heard of this, but uh, the Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, he actually uh, made it a, a secret flight, which is, I guess, not so secret anymore, but he made a secret flight to Moscow and had a three-hour meeting with Vladimir Putin, uh, the president of Russia, and uh, to try to somehow negotiate between the two sides. Um, other countries have tried to send in different envoys or councils and all that to try to um, try to calm the situation down at least to some aspect. But uh, it's interesting when we think about peace. Naturally, we think about try to. Uh, most people think about peace as absence of conflict. In other words, we just why can't everyone just get along, right? Uh, remember the old commercial with you know Coca-Cola? You know I just want the world to sing in perfect harmony. And maybe that song's going through your head right now. We're not going to sing that at the close, okay? I don't know if we know all the words anyway, but nonetheless, there's a lot of attempts, worldly attempts to make peace, and we do want to live in relative peace and and quiet at least with our neighbors. Uh, hopefully, you do anyways, unless you're that one persnickety neighbor that just takes glee out of uh, you know trying to pick on your neighbors i don't know but nonetheless uh, when we think about peace it's again most commonly thought of as absence from conflict however what is true peace true peace is not found in the state of our circumstances what's going on right now nor is it the result of something we do in fact peace cannot be forced like like uh, albert einstein said Uh, It is not the result of something we do or not do. Rather, lasting peace is found in a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. So a a question, though, when we think about peace, especially in your personal life, we're not talking about wars now. We're talking about you and your mind and your heart. How can you have lasting peace? We're going to talk about that today. But I have a question, really, what hinders us from having peace? What's, What's stopping you? What's getting in the way of having peace? I believe that uh, a major hindrance for us to have peace is this. I believe it is fear. Fear often gets in the way of peace, right? We put our defenses up. We put our guards up. We maybe counterattack. We try to do different things, or maybe we, we kind of run away in many aspects. So I believe fear is a large part of what hinders us from having peace. Why is that? Because fear is really, when you think about it, it's rooted in unbelief. Having fear is really rooted in unbelief. This, ref- this affects our relationship with God and with others. You know, Jesus challenged his disciples at the beginning of John chapter 14. He said, Let not your heart be troubled, ye believe in God, Believe also in in me. In fact, the word believe is really central to the the gospel of John in itself, of having a belief in God and knowing, knowing who God is through the person of Jesus Christ. So Jesus challenged his disciples, believe in me, believe on me. So the answer to worry and to fear is belief. Do you believe? And I think this really centers on worship. What you fear is really an indicator of what you are really worshiping. Think about that. What you fear or what you worry about is really kind of what you're worshiping. If your fear is, you know, you're f- afraid of the dark, you know, and it, it's one thing, you know, we talk about this, children, but if, if, if that really controls every aspect of your life, that's really kind of what's driving you in life is really what you're, you're basing that fear on. So really, I think fear is really, this is centered on worship. It's kind of what you believe in or what you don't believe in for that matter. And so, when we focus though on our fear, I think the, the, uh, we become paralyzed to obe- obedience. When we become fo- so focused on fear, and this is the thing, fear can sometimes be temporary, but you have to be careful that that temporary fear doesn't become a permanent fear. Okay? This is so important as we even look at our world situation today. But thinking about this, we become paralyzed to obedience. Have you ever done that? You know, you're maybe, uh, this is a kind of a classic example. Let's say you, you're driving around on the road and you get in a fender bender. For many people, that you do experience stress and a little bit of trauma. It is a form of PTSD in a way. Okay, and so what? It, what happens when you get in that fender bender? Even if it's minor, you're what? You're you the way you drive. At least in the temporary time, at least is changed, isn't it? You drive a little bit more carefully, or maybe he says, I just don't want to drive for now. I'd rather have someone else do it. Um, that's a lot of times what we, what, we, what we deal with, okay? And so this is the thing, though. When we become paralyzed by fear, anyways, it actually stops. It really kind of gets in the way of our belief, and it gets in the way of obedience. So when worry and, and uh, fear become our focus, though, we can fall in the trap that thinking that God is not sufficient to help us. And that's a danger. When worry and fear become our ultimate focus, and when it's not checked with with reality, we can fall into the trap by thinking that God is not sufficient to help us because it goes back to our worship. What are we worshiping? And when this happens, we cannot have peace. You cannot have peace when when you're controlled by fear and controlled by worry. Yet, the good thing, here's some good news. Jesus promises us his peace. Praise God for that. He promises us to give us his peace. And this is a peace that comes with assurance and blessings that are eternal. We can rest. Here's the challenge today. We can rest in the promise of peace by Jesus Christ. You can rest in that. You can have that assurance. And you can experience that blessings by resting in Jesus Christ. So no matter what you are going through, no matter what fears you are facing right now, guess what? God promises us his peace that he gives us. So what does this peace look like? And we're going to kind of break down here, John 14, verse 27, kind of line by line and kind of look at this. So the first word or the first aspect is here, peace, I leave with you. Again, these are the words of Jesus. Jesus, as he is with his disciples in the upper room, and this is just probably within a few hours of him being arrested, And then, of course, going on trial and eventually facing the cross the next morning. And so, as we think about this, Jesus says here, "Peace I leave with you." So, what is this peace? First of all, the the word that's given here, "peace," I leave with you. This is actually a common greeting in in Hebrew, in that in the in the middle middle eastern culture, for that matter. But this is a common word. So, what is that word in Hebrew? What is the word for peace? Shalom, hey, you guys are pretty fluent in at least saying shalom, right? So shalom is, is that Hebrew word for peace. In the Greek, it's actually a different word, Irene. If you ever heard of someone named Irene or Irenaeus? It means peace or peaceful. And so, But the Hebrew word actually carries on a, a bigger or deeper meaning uh, talking about that. And what does it mean? Shalom in Hebrew actually means, it means peace. By the way, if you do a greeting to someone... In Hebrew, you would say shalom. If you say goodbye to someone, you would say shalom, shalom. And, of course, it is the general word for peace. But the, the word shalom itself, it has a deep meaning to it. It really carries the idea of completeness or fullness. So when you are greeting someone, you say shalom, or shalom lecha, shalom to you, or shalom alechem. Maybe you've heard that that term. You're basically wishing them complete fullness, or completeness in their lives. Or the fullness of blessings. Uh, the, the there's another uh, infinitive in, in, Hebrew, le shalem. Le shalem means to pay. And so when is, uh, like I say, shalamti, I paid, means it was complete. Everything was met. The agreement was met. It was completed. So it carries on that same, same tone. So when Jesus is giving us his peace, he is not giving us leftovers. He is giving us his full blessings and fullness, his completeness in us. And so this is what he leaves with us. So what is this peace about? Jesus has noted, according to Isaiah the prophet, that Jesus is the prince of peace. This is a beautiful title of who he is and talking about his government that he has. It will be a full and complete government. We always, no matter how good people try, we always have a government, whether it's local or national or even world, that we will always have a government that is lacking in some areas, undoubtedly. It's kind of like whack-a-mole. Things are good on this end and weak on this end. And, you know, we, that's that's the state of since the world began really on that. But we know that when Jesus comes to rule and reign, it will be a, a government that will be full and complete. It will not suffer or lack anything. That's pretty amazing when you think about that. But when Jesus came to this world and, and as the angels announced to the shepherds when Jesus was born, the, what do they they say that peace on earth and goodwill to men? So peace, Jesus coming to earth brought that fullness and brought that peace and goodwill toward men. Also, we know this according to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. Hold your place here in John. Turn with me over to Ephesians chapter 2. Get there myself here. And, and this is kind of what God's peace or Christ's peace looks like here as it relates to us. Ephesians chapter 2, and looking in verse 13. Ephesians 2, verse 13. But it says here, but now in Christ Jesus ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, Christ, who has made both one and hath broken down the middle of the wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law the commandments contained in the ordinances, to make in himself twain one new man of so making peace. And this is a beautiful aspect of we see what Christ is. He is our peace. He is the one who has the capability to give us Wholeness and completeness and fullness and everything that's in and is done by the blood of Christ and so this is pretty amazing how that that happens. Verse fourteen is amazing. That middle wall partition. Maybe one time we'll take a a, a really strong look of what that means. That's actually referring to the temple. There was an area in the temple that separated Gentiles from Jewish people, and that was that middle wall partition. Archaeologists have actually found uh, writings, and inscription that were written in Greek that basically warned Gentiles, do not cross this line. Uh, Your blood will be upon your own head if you cross this line, is the idea. And so Jesus Christ broke down that wall partition and helping us come together as a church, Jew and Gentile, one and Messiah. Pretty amazing when you think about that. But the peace that Jesus leaves us, back in John 14, the peace that Jesus leaves us with as he's about ready to go to the Father is one that really is complete. It's full. Nothing is lacking in that. Okay, the next part of this it says here, "My peace I give unto you, my peace I give unto you." We so it's interesting. This peace that Christ gives us, that's full and complete. Who is it given? It's given to His own. It's given to His disciples, and really to those who believe and have placed their trust in Him. Those that are saved. And so Romans chapter five verse one says that being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We praise God that the peace that we have was given to us by Jesus Christ, that fullness and completeness, okay? We are recipients of this peace. We also know this, the peace he's given to us came actually with a, a blessing, really with a person as well, with a helper. Look with, here, with me here in uh, the verse prior, verse 26. Jesus here promises, and he did this earlier in the, uh, actually go back to verse 16, Uh, Jesus says here, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. And this is the spirit of truth, verse 17, okay? And then, so this comforter, this this paraclete, one who comes alongside, verse 26 here says this, but the comforter or the helper, which is the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So the blessing that Jesus gives us he gives us his peace, but who is going to help help us have that assurance? It's the Holy Spirit. God's presence is with us through the Holy Spirit. I think that's an amazing promise, and it's not just a promise. It's a reality. For those who have trusted Jesus Christ, we have that indwelling Holy Spirit that is there to help us, to guide us into all truth, to lead us and point us to Jesus Christ who gives us that peace, that completeness, and that fullness. So we are giving that helper, that Holy Spirit. We also see that... The peace that we have from God is also, a, it's a product. It's actually part of the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. So as we see this, peace is a part of what it means to follow Christ and have the Spirit within you. So this is an important thing as we see this. Uh, Dave actually touched on this briefly in Sunday school about having the Holy Spirit and uh, correct me for a moment, I don't want to misquote you, Dave, all right? We have millions of people watching, so I don't want to get this out of line, right? But what is that peace that we have? We have the peace of the Holy Spirit, and when we are saved, and I agree with what Dave says, we have 100% of the Holy Spirit with us and in us. Nothing's lacking, all right? But we, as, we are sinners saved by grace. Because of that, we deal struggling, so sometimes the Spirit doesn't have all of us in that regard. Okay, so this is an important thing that we should follow and listen and be led by the spirit, be filled with the spirit. And so this is important as we see this. So but this spirit that we have or the the peace that Christ gives us to his own, this is important. Why is this? Because what is the key to having peace? How do we have this peace? We know the Holy Spirit's there to help us, but how do we have this spirit? How do, we, how do we work with the spirit, if you will? How do we walk with the spirit? Look with me in John 14 here. Look at look back in verse 23 and 24. It says here, Jesus answered and said unto him, unto Judas, not Iscariot. He says, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and he will come, he will come unto him and make our abode in him. He that loveth me keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye he hear is not mine, but the Father which hath sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. So the, the two things that we see here is this. The key to peace, to having the peace of God and the promise of peace, is really obedience and submission to the will of God. Keeping his words. If you love him, keep his commandments. I, I think that's so amazing when we think of the struggles and the worry and fear that Christians deal with. Uh, even on a daily basis, if you are controlled by fear, there's a good possibility that one of the reasons that is is because you're simply not obeying and submitting to the Lord, following his word, okay? Uh, I think a great way to counsel people is this. Read your Bible, pray every day, and then obey. Read your Bible, pray every day, and then obey. And if you have that consistent diet, if you will, of, of doing that, being obedient to that, God will bless and he will help you and he will give you that peace. The thing is this, then what does this look like? Who in the world can obey and submit to the will of God and have this peace, even in the midst of great trials? Well, there's one person who modeled this well, and that was Jesus Christ. Sometimes we, we try to look to within ourselves, I don't know if I can do it. There's one person who did, and that's Jesus Christ. And the thing is, is that the peace that Jesus Christ had, even as he was about to go to the cross, Jesus knew what he was facing. Even the betrayal, the abandonment, uh, the scourging, the, the trials that he was about to suffer, Jesus modeled peace. And the peace that he has, he imparts. He, that's what he gives us. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. So this is the next part of this here. Not as the world... Verse twenty-seven. Not as the world give give I unto you. So what is this about? I let me just talk about here. What peace is not? What what is not peace? All right. However you want to uh, want to say that. I love what Albert Barnes wrote in his commentary regarding this. He said this: the peace that the world gives, or or this peace. What is peace? Peace is not which men commonly pursue. P- men or the world tries to pursue peace by getting pleasure fame and wealth man i'll be at peace if i just had a larger bank account if i was in six or seven digits all right i will if i have a powerful position i will be at peace if i have the pleasures of this world or a, a room full of chocolate right i will be at peace you will get a strong tummy ache too after that but nonetheless that's kind of and we talk about what makes you happy this it's really nice how that flows in together or like i said when the chiefs lose yes we'll be happy there's a deafening silence over here. Okay, <laughs> but nonetheless, we we get we get the idea. Having peace, we think of these pleasures and the things that we have and we enjoy, and they're not necessarily bad things, unless the Chiefs do lose. Sorry, Dave. Okay, in his opinion, nonetheless. But the, the thing is this: they the thing is that the world the things that the world tries to offer to give us peace, wealth, pleasure, fame, etc. These what they end up doing though, if that is our only focus, they actually leave us with more care, more anxiety. And even remorse. Have you ever seen, man, if I could just have a little bit more, a little bit more, you're never satisfied. That's the thing. They cannot, the the peace that the world offers cannot provide the peace which the soul needs. That's the important thing. So we also say, according to Barnes, that this is not a peace that man offers. In other words, think about friendship. Man, if I just had the best friendship in the world. The thing is, this the friendship of peace that the world offers is empty and flattering it is not sincere also what peace is not peace is not a system of philosophy or even a false religion there's systems there's philosophies there's people that offer peace but it's not real the thing is and here's the bottom line i love what barnes put in this he says this that talking about peace if you want to evaluate the peace that the world gives and the peace that christ gives here's the difference does the peace that the world give does that take away sin the thing is this, that peace doesn't reconcile us to God. When it is lacking in regards to that, if it doesn't take away sin, it doesn't remove that problem, that's where the, the trouble that we have in, in lies. It doesn't reconcile the soul with God. It's an empty peace. So what is peace then? Barnes goes on to say that the peace of Christ meets all the needs of the soul. It silences fears and alarms. It does not change and but will last Until the hour of death and even forever. That's the peace that passes all understanding. How desirable in a world of anxiety and care to possess this peace. If we have this peace, we should seek for peace which the world can neither give nor take away. I think this is just beautiful when you think about this. The peace that Christ gives satisfies completely, fully. And we can live on that forever, no matter what is going through. I think it's fair to say when I was talking with Roger and every time I try to go about once a week just to see him and, and check on him, I always ask him, are you at peace? Do you have the peace of God? And he says, yes, I do. Even in the midst of his great trial that he's going through with cancer, he has the peace that cancer can't take away, Amen. Think about that. How And that's, that's not an easy thing to say. I'm not making light of his situation. But he is depending on something greater that is lasting into eternity, the peace of Christ. So that's what peace is. Going on now, the next part here, verse 27, says this, Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. I love what uh, commentator Dave Gutzik says on this. He says, These gifts, the gifts of peace, do not grant us exemption from the storms of life, but promises us the power and the peace to weather any storm. Like I said, people think of peace like, oh, man, this is a peaceful person. There's no, this person doesn't have any problems in life. They they have everything made. They got the perfect family, the perfect bank account, the perfect car, the perfect sports team, you know, whatever you want to say. There's nothing wrong going on. It's Hakuna Matata type Christian. No worries, right? No problems, okay? And so as we think about this, though, the peace that Christ gives is not the absence or the exemption. Let me just say this. Maybe you heard this and I hope hope you didn't, but so many times you people have said, "If you become a Christian, if you believe in Jesus, all your problems will go away." Oh boy. That's a lie. But the thing is this, the problems we do have are there, but by having the peace of Christ, what happens? We have something that the world can't take away, and we have the power and peace to weather any storm. As we think about this, I like what one commentator says on this. This is the peace in the midst of trials which the world brings on the followers of Jesus while they perform their tasks. So peace is that result of having him overcome the world. John 16.33 says about this, that peace that he gives us. He says, "'Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world.'" So this is a a beautiful promise. Let not your heart be troubled. Okay? Going back on this, what is the very last phrase? Neither let it be afraid. Neither let your heart be afraid. So what is the point of this? This is the important thing. Do not give into the fears of the past or the present, and let the peace of Christ keep us from the fears of the future. You know, when I I was talking with Roger, uh, I think it was about last week actually, and uh, we, we talked about some of the things that he's going through, some of how he's feeling. And, and I said, Roger, has Jesus ever abandoned you? Was God there, always there for you? He says, absolutely. And I said, he's here with you now, and he will be here to the end. God is with him. And God is with you no matter what you are facing. God has been there for you. He is here for you, and he will be there for you. Isn't that a beautiful promise when we think about God and his presence with us and the peace that he gives us? God has never abandoned his children. He will not abandon you, even in the midst of your your trial that you're going through. So again, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The fear that we have here that's expressed here is actually this is a cowardly fear. This is actually the same word, Greek word, that's used to describe the disciples' fear uh, uh, during the storm on the Sea of Galilee. When Jesus was there, he was sleeping. He was at peace, and they woke him up. Master, we perish! The storm's too great. Jesus simply gets up. He rebukes the wind. Peace be still, and everything calmed down. That is the peace of Christ. Even the disciples were, that was a cowardly fear. They were professional fishermen. They knew that lake inside and out, right? It's it's amazing to see their reaction to that, but yet the peace of Christ calmed them in the midst of that storm. So here's the point. Through the presence of God, through his Holy Spirit, here's the beautiful thing. You have a friend who will never leave you nor forsake you. This actually here, as it says here, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. This goes back again to what it said here back in 14 verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So here's the point of this. You can rest in the promise of peace that Christ gives us. So where the Holy Spirit is, let me read this quote by F.B. Meyer. I think this is great. It says, where the Holy Spirit is, there the peace of God rests. The world may be in arms. It is right now, right? Death may be imminent, and the prince of this world intends to injure. But the heart which rests on the will of God is free from alarm and fear. The peace that God gives and that he leaves us is that of forgiveness. The peace that he gives and that of his own indwelling. And as Jesus said a little later on, arise, verse 30, 31 here, arise, let us go hence. He is ready to go because he had the peace that passes all understanding through himself that he gives to others. Matthew Henry also regarding these verses said this, that the peace which Christ gives us is infinitely more valuable than that the world gives us. We've said that before. That's true. And I love this comparison that Henry wrote. And I'll I'll read it through twice to make sure we get it. He says this, that the, the world's peace begins in ignorance. It consists of sin and ends in endless trouble. Christ's peace, on the other hand, begins in grace, consists of no allowed sin, and ends at length in everlasting peace. Isn't that beautiful? It really is. Let me read through that one more time. I don't want to miss this. The world's peace, he says, begins in ignorance, consists of sin, and ends in trouble. Christ's peace begins in grace, consists of no allowed sin, and ends in everlasting peace. That is beautiful when we think about that. What peace are you resting in today? What are you relying on to solve the problems that are going on in your life? Are we trying to do it in our own strength and our own understanding? Are we trying to adopt a world's model or some type of philosophy that the world offers or some other religion offers? But the thing is this, it comes through a person through Jesus Christ. So true peace, the peace that Christ gives, leaves us with the power to pause the wildest fear. I believe this peace can can still the noisy heart. And this peace of Christ can hush a cry. Having the peace of Christ gives us life without the fear of death. Jesus offered his peace even though he was about to face betrayal, abandonment, in the great sufferings that he endured on the cross. Yet he went to his fate triumphant, didn't he? In John chapter 16, let's go over there. We kind of quoted earlier, but I want us to look at this. John 16, verse 33. John 16, verse 33. The Bible says here, Jesus said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Again, Jesus came. He has spoken these things that we might have peace. It's important as we see this. Uh, I like what Henry Morris said about this, that this statement, spoken as it is in the shadow of the cross, is audacious. Think of that. Jesus said this; these things knowing what was before him. He goes to the cross, Morris says, not in fear or in gloom but as a conqueror. Jesus died a conqueror over sin and over death and over fear. How shall I fear with Jesus? Pretty amazing when we think about that. In the world we will have tribulation. We will have trials. You will have things that human speaking we can worry about, right? But the Bible says be of good cheer I have overcome the world. Amazing. So, again, as we said before, being a Christian does not mean we won't face trials or tribulations. In fact, we should expect it, right? We should expect it. Yet, by believing in the promise of the peace of Christ, we can have confidence in following Christ. Do you have that confidence today? You can rest in the promise of peace. As we close, I'd like to share with you just a little uh, note that was uh, shared by a a dear friend of mine who's in Ukraine. He's a, a pastor there in Dnipro, which is about a little southeast of of Kiev. He writes this, and this is just an excerpt of of what he shared yesterday. Um, I haven't heard from today, but this is amazing. He, uh, in the midst of the conflict that has happened, he's about 60 miles. If you've heard about the nuclear plant that's been attacked, he's just about 60 miles from there, okay? Uh, And so he sent his wife and his three daughters. They actually drove hundreds of miles into Moldova, and then they spent the night basically on the Hungarian border, and they're eventually going to drive all the way, and they'll probably get there tomorrow, into the Netherlands, which is where his sister lives. But nonetheless, uh, the men are supposed to stay behind in the fight. And so, anyways, Eugene is his name. Eugene, he says his son, and he are. Who's, he's in his 20s, uh, his son is, he says, my son and I are remaining in our city, in Dnipro, to conduct the ministry as a pastor, and then to fight if it comes to it. Uh, Eugene says, This is probably the hardest decision I have had to make in my life. I don't know how I can keep a smiling face without tears saying goodbye to my family and trusting them to God's care. I'm sorry if I sounded too lyrical. I'm in tears even as I am writing this. We ask for your increased prayers for our country, for our soldiers, for the people who remain in Dnipro, in our city, protecting their land. For my son and I, as we are facing what's ahead, and for the girl's journey to safety. And listen to what he says here We are not panicking, we are not down, we are very much upbeat and determined. God is our guide and refuge. Amen and amen. He writes then, This Sunday, today, we will be having our usual church service and expecting God to visit us in a special way with a double attendance. <laughs> in Ukraine, we say, Together we are strong. Together we will win, and that's a fact. The victory in this war will be ours, for the victory for the Lord already is. Eugene and our other ministry friends that are there are resting in the promise of peace. So the question I have for us today is this: Are you trusting in Christ, in the Christ of peace? Are you trusting that? My friend Eugene, like I said, with everything. I mean, the I have another friend in Odessa who. Uh, they've actually had a, a few attacks near them but nothing directly yet and they're they're anticipating that one thing my friend in Odessa says is pray for bad weather because it's keeping the Russian ships out so pray for that that's one thing you said but God is using that even in their lives my friend in Odessa they're they're actually being able to, to uh, witness. They're helping put sandbags together and delivering where it needs to be. And at the same time, they're passing out tracts and and trying to witness as they can, as the Lord gives them those opportunities. And other churches and other places are doing what they can to, to help the body of Christ and also to spread the message of Jesus Christ. So the thing is this, are you trusting in Christ in his peace? And the, cre- the second question is this, are you resting in his promise of peace? My peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let us rest in the promise of peace.